It's that time again for the assault on your ears. We call Lower Dorks, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. Tonight, on our screens, is not Lower Decks, because, like, the season's over, and, you know, the new one, it hasn't started yet. So, like, what are we doing here, Stavros? What is this nonsense <laughs> in my cup? What is this on my screens? I need an answer! <laughs> you know, much like this drink, it will make sense eventually. Uh, probably when we're too drunk to really understand what we're drinking, but um, that's going to come later. Um, we're drinking Jungle Juice. This is actually my first Jungle Juice. I don't know about you, but this is a, I was I was not experienced in the Jungle Juice before this. So in mine, at least, um, I've got strawberries, oranges, rum, lemonade, vodka, orange juice, fruit punch, and cranberry juice. And do you know why we're drinking this insane drink? Because it's got a little bit of everything, and tonight we're talking about a little bit of everything. <laughs> you got it. We are going to talk about all of the Star Trek shows on the air. Did you know that there are five Star Trek shows on the air right now? Oh, well, it's good that you stopped me. I was about to say we're going to talk about all seven of them. <laughs> I don't know what the other two I'm thinking of Close are. Close enough. Oh, wait, Orville yeah. doesn't count, does it? Dang. No, no, no. And I know you wish Enterprise was still on the air, but it's not the case. A man can dream. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. It's okay. I get my fill of Starfleet officers being dicks from Discovery. Yeah, early Discovery especially. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about the drink first. Uh, what's in yours? Did you make yours a little bit differently? Um, Yeah, you know, I usually do a little lime juice in it. I like the, the fizziness okay. of it. But you know what? I think jungle juice is one of those things that there's no one way to make it. It's always orange juice. Right. Well, juices in general, a little fruit punch. Yeah. It's mainly there, so you can make a whole lot of it and then cover up the flavor of the cheap vodka and cheap rum that you're serving to your party <laughs> guests. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Hide it with the uh with the with the, yes. the strong juice. And I'm lazy, so I, I have no sliced fruits in mine. Yeah, I will say that it looks very high quality, even though I did use the cheap stuff, so it, it it presents very well, yeah. I have to say. And you know, it makes a whole lot, so you've got some for the whole family. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I do have like a bucket of jungle juice in my fridge right now, waiting for me to consume it over the course of... Uh, hopefully hopefully out of reach of the children. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Yes, it is. Because for those of you who have never had jungle juice before, word of warning, it doesn't taste very alcoholic, but it certainly no. is. It's, uh, yeah, I was watching myself pour booze into this mixer. I'm like, that's a lot of booze, and I'm drinking. I'm like, that does not taste like booze, so got to be careful of drinking this stuff. We'll see how it goes by the time we reach the end of this episode. If we reach the end of this episode. Yeah, I mean, that has to happen sometime, right? <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about what we're talking about this this episode. So, like I said, there are five shows on the air. Lower Decks, just one of them. Uh, you know, I was thinking, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a place for Lower Decks here, right? Like, it's it's one of two animated shows there are different things about all these shows. It's got to have a spot. Otherwise, the Star Trek gods over at uh, Paramount would, would not have, you know, each of these shows going. So, you know, what we should do is talk about each of these, talk about the different features of them and why, you know, what, what makes them unique. And that's the thing. In the meta sense, like they had said in interviews, right, that each of the new Star Trek series was attempting to target a specific demographic, right? Right. And I think that's a really interesting design choice for their overall format. It's almost like there's a whole Star Trek network and they've got shows <laughs> for everybody. But I don't that's know if right. it really holds up to that uh, agenda, but we'll we'll find out as we talk about it. Indeed. So the big question is, should we talk about Lower Decks first or last? 
I think we should do it first and get it out of the way. First. Okay. Yeah, it is the one we know the best, theoretically, right? Theoretically. I mean, <laughs> dear God, we're doing a podcast about it. We talk about it on the regular. Uh, you think so. Let's let's talk about Lower Decks then. Who is Lower Decks for? You know, the, the show itself, um, it's, it's trying to be episodic. We've got a couple long-term stories. But generally speaking, it's trying to be episodic, much like the days of, of, of early TNG um, and original series. There's no super long arcs, with the exception of, like, you know, season openers and closers. Who's this show for? There's a lot of nostalgia. Like, because of all the references, it's got to be the nostalgia factor. Plus, it's a comedy show, so people that appreciate comedy, which is not all, not everyone, right? Not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, it's it's definitely meant for the adult animated series demographic. It heavily plays on nostalgia for Star Trek, and it's just, you know, we talk about it all the time. It's filled with old references um, from previous right. series. But what's really interesting to me is the sheer number of people who this is their first introduction to the series. Because, like, for right. me watching it, I'm just like, I feel like you would be lost if this was your first series, yeah. right? But I think yeah. the strong characterizations and the decent plots kind of make up for the saturation of references. And you know what? It's kind of like mm. old sci-fi series and old uh, movies where they'll reference things that are completely irrelevant to the series, right? It's the whole Obi-Wan, I served with your father in the Clone Wars bit. Where, right. what are the Clone Wars? Never referenced <laughs> again in the movie, right? Nope. So, yeah. I mean, I imagine that it doesn't matter quite that much. Whereas in this series, those references are made. But for those of us on the inside, we're like, ooh, I get that reference. Right. It's weird because, you know, obviously we're more along the lines of the super fans where we're like, oh, what is that? What's that? But maybe a new fan is more drawn in for the and a kind of Rick and Morty-like humor, rapid fire humor that the show sometimes has. So... Multi-level, yeah, maybe, definitely for Lower Decks. Definitely. You know, and in, in mentioning, though, like, it's not really, it's episodic. One of the things I've noticed about all of the new series, and I think this is a product of the time they're getting made, it, they're all interwoven with arcs, right? Uh, Lower sure. Decks is specifically tends to lean towards character arcs, but even then, mm. they're, they're more subtle arcs, like the, the episode the series doesn't lean on them, right? But mm. they're a part of the overall narrative. Um, and they even they even lampshade it numerous times when, you know, there'll be a reference to, you know, Bold Boimler or <laughs> <laughs> right. By the Book Mariner, right? And, you know, there's there's stuff that happens in episodes where it's all like, oh, this is a reference to, you know, this, this character's character arc, you know, throughout the season, you know, Mariner working with uh, um, ransom but ultimately if you there are arcs, if yeah. you aren't watching it in order which i don't know why you wouldn't in this day and age if right. you're only watching episodes here or there yeah you may not realize there's that arc going on but it's there right there's episodes sure. work without your knowledge of the arc unlike things like babylon 5 where if you haven't seen the arc and you pick up an episode in season four you're lost, right? right? It's just, it's a softer arc and more of a character arc rather than story-driven arc. I would totally agree. They're, they, I feel like sometimes they intentionally de-emphasize the arcs. 
Like they'll start an arc and then let it drop for like several episodes, which in a 10 episode season, not that much, right? So, you know, it'll come back eventually, but, you know, people are like, Talyn, we want Talyn back! Oh, and then she's gone for, like, pretty much an entire season. <laughs> Bit character so, they promoted arcs, but... to cast member. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what? I think that's very that's right. reminiscent of TNG, especially Worf in TNG. He had a character arc throughout the course of the series, but it wasn't a continuous thing, right? It was... Right. There would be a Worf episode that built up his character. There was uh, Klingon episodes that built up the arc of the Klingon Empire and Worf's role in it. And I think right. that's, that's much more akin to what Lower Decks is doing. Totally. What are our takeaways here? That it's uh, it's multi-level. We've got intro, you know, fans coming in, introduced to the, to the IP because of the comedy and the episodic nature. But we've also got uh, multi-level, you know, references and character arcs for the harder core guys yeah i i think uh ultimately the demographic is definitely the adult animation demographic and while they're hewing towards star trek fans anything else that they pick up along the way is definitely a bonus cool yeah sounds good i would like to move on to the other animated series because Ooh, there's something it. interesting about these two series and how they're different that really i didn't realize it until we were preparing for this episode of our podcast that really kind of hit me about a big difference between these two yeah let's talk prodigy then yes what do you think what's your what's your knee-jerk reaction it's funny lower decks was the series when it first was announced i'm all like eh, i'm not gonna like it wound up loving yeah. it prodigy <laughs> yeah. as a series was one where i'm like there's no way i'm gonna like this um <laughs> and it's definitely not my favorite of the new crop of star trek it's definitely not geared towards me. I am not its target demographic, but it has right. these weird things that it does really well that make it stand out. One of the things in modern uh, entertainment that happens all the time is where you're sitting there going, this plot is ridiculous. If these people would just talk to each other, the plot would be resolved in five <laughs> minutes. And they yes. literally baked into the series why that <laughs> can't, can't happen, right? Yeah, and 100%. I was, yeah. I was very sitcom, impressed by uh, that. Plot. It, yeah, it's one of those completely. things that uh, it, it kind of shows that the people who are running it are smart. And they. I always reference when I was a kid, there's shows that I can go back and watch now from my childhood. And while I don't get the same enjoyment from it, I'm always impressed by how intelligently they spoke to their audience. And I think Prodigy yeah. does that. And I think that's something we really need in this day and age. Yeah, Prodigy, for me, like they, you know, they have lots of these kind of goofier characters with, you know, Rock Talk and uh, and Murph and all that kind of stuff. Clearly, they're clearly trying to cater to younger fans, I would think. And they start off, like there's, you know, the first season, as we're recording this, the first season's over. So uh, we wrap things up with all the characters kind of getting together at, at Starfleet headquarters. But the way the show starts out, it's just, it's kind of more generic sci-fi, and the glue that's trying to hold the show together is like the kooky characters coming and taking control of uh, of the ship and all that. But you're right, like there's this like kind of baked in, you know, more highbrow, you, you kind of got some nostalgia effect coming in there with Janeway and, and, how, and you know, where's Chakotay and all that, because no people no, won't know who that Ch uh, Chakotay is. So there's there's like this underlying current of like something that is getting stronger towards the end of the season that's encouraging the 
the kind of nostalgia factor or the kind of classic Trek factor. To put on my, you know, marketing hat here for a minute, it's that is right. a great marketing tactic to introduce those characters and to say, hey, they have this whole background and this whole story before the series. And then the younger right. fans that they're selling that to after the series is over or after the season is over, suddenly there is this whole back catalog that can be open to them. Right. You know, it's funny. I think if I were a kid, this is a show I would watch, right? Unfortunately, I was already watching Star Trek at that time. <laughs> but if I wasn't, I would, I was, you know, I was watching The Next Generation when I was, you know, five and six. Uh, I remember, right. you know, when Voyager launched, I can't remember how old I was, but it was a show I enjoyed despite it being more adult targeted. And I think they're doing a great job of doing that cross promotion between their shows of introducing elements. So when this series is over, the the people can go and the kids can go and watch the rest of the series. But they also do a great job of not dumbing it down too much. Yeah, They still have those very kid-friendly stories of, you know, Rock Talk can be a science officer, despite him right. being big and scary, uh, that sort of <laughs> right. thing. Which is very, you know, it's a good story. It's a good, you know, premise. But they also do, you know, great other parts of the series, like their aspirational stuff of wanting to join Starfleet and their their personal fears. It's it's pretty well done for a kids show. It's odd because you you, know, you watch the promo materials and you're like, oh, this is like completely new, you know, 3D animation art style. You know, is this going to work? And I, I won't, I'm not going to lie. The first couple episodes, I was pretty skeptical. Granted, I'm not the target audience, right? Yep. I'm a, I'm a guy in my thirties that is trying to give, you know, the completionist view of modern Star Trek. I'm kind of curious actually, if like, you know, actual kids in the target demo are into this. We're going to have to uh, do some market research, I think, and see how effective this has been. I, I'd be interested to see their own market research after, you know, season one, if they're actually doing totally. it right. I no doubt they have just gobs and gobs of data on who's watching it and when and how much, because they must modern times. It's not just Nielsen owning all of the <laughs> records, you know, yep. every streaming service, every web service, every, you know, search, <laughs> Every search engine out there is collecting data, and it'd be intriguing to see that information. <laughs> but one of the things I did want to mention that I thought was really interesting is in, you know, we, we're mainly focusing on, you know, target audiences, the concepts, the, you know, arcs, or the stories. Um, but one of sure. the things I noticed was in watching Prodigy, there are tons of scenes where I was immediately watching them going, man, why is everything happening so fast here, right? Like, <laughs> okay. in, in, you know, old track, there'd be this, you know, chase scene, and it'd be drawn out with them exchanging right. fire, and there'd be these, right. like, slow panning shots. And I'm like, why is that so different? And I realized, you know, it's, it's a 30-minute episode, right? Yeah. So the everything has yeah. to be truncated. They can't do right. those sorts of long panning and sweeping shots. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, this is one of the big differences between Prodigy and Lower Decks. Lower Decks still has those shots. While it is much faster mm. paced sometimes, they still have those long panning shots, those sweeping movements. Um, I even noticed it in like their, their opening crawls, that difference between them. Lower Decks is a much slower opening crawl. 
and Prodigy is much faster, and I think that owes to their target demographic. Interesting. It's weird because they're the same or the same ish time format, right? Like they're these are the two shorter shows. Yeah, and I think it just comes down to um, how they're written. Prodigy is much more action oriented, so action right. scenes have to be done differently because you have so many more of them that they have to be snappier. They have to be quicker. Whereas lower decks has fewer action scenes. And when they're there, they tend to be very like move the plot along action scenes as opposed to like the meat of the episode. Interesting. I didn't realize that, but I think you're totally right. There is a pacing, a big pacing difference between these two shows. And it points a lot towards the demographic. Yeah, I first noticed it in the episode where the, you know, Janeway's super dauntless ship is chasing the protostar. And I'm like, right. man, what is with these quick cuts? And I just, and that was the moment <laughs> where I realized, oh, it's a and I know. show. Yeah. Yeah. I had to think about it. <laughs> That's interesting. You know what? It's just, it's such an interesting beast. And I, I kind of wonder where it started. Yeah. The choice to go with non-human crew members. I mean, obviously, yeah. there's there's the whole toy aspect, but I kind of wonder mm. if they are humanoid, to, uh, more, you know, humans with bumps on their head not going with them. There's always the <laughs> right. toy aspect of it, but I just kind of wonder if they would sell just as well regardless. But it's just, it's an interesting, like, I, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall during the development of that show to see how those decisions yeah. were made. Obviously, I think they went with Janeway because as a part of the show... They kind of wanted to introduce her as like a maternal figure. Right. She's also time-wise, chronology-wise, the most recent captain we've had prior to this show that, you know, had a major impact. Yep. Just lots of interesting choices that I'd really be interested to see, you know, why they went that way. Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see, I mean, because at the end of season one, they're implying that most of the main cast is going to be cadets on board a Starfleet ship. So we're going from well, ragtag, goofy aliens to now everyone are cadets on a Starfleet ship. Pseudo cadets. Is that going to change the demo? Yeah. Pseudo cadets. <laughs> Some, yeah, kind of. They're 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 basically cadets. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, what are they going? You know, is the show going to feel a lot different now that they're you know in uniforms? You know, following a captain. You know, very typical Star Trek instead. It's going to be interesting to see how and I think that uh, maybe it's something I noticed in the first season they started off and like you wouldn't have recognized it as Star Trek at all right no and then they like the most Star Trek thing you see is the introduction of the proto star but as it yeah. went on it became more and more and more and more Star Trek yeah and not just yeah. like Star Trek in the like trappings or visuals or oh here's humans here's Ferengi but in like the stories they were the telling thematic, yeah. and the themes mm-hmm. they were presenting, I mean, they even did oh, the yeah. classic uh, cultural contamination episode. Yeah, um, <laughs> they did. Yeah. So it's just like <laughs> I'm wondering if that's going to wind up being like a big part of the next season. If it's going to be much more of a traditional Star Trek format, which I think the show would lose a little bit if they did that, as opposed to yeah. keeping their more out there elements. The problem is, you know, the more out there you get, the more you have to introduce those things to canon. And oh, yeah. eventually you reach a point where canon just makes no sense anymore. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go. 
Uh, but let's let's go to a different show then. Do you want to do the Discovery Stranger World Zuo, or do you want to do Picard first? You know what? Let's do Picard is so out there and so different that I think <laughs> we should start with Discovery. And we probably should have okay. started with Discovery from the get-go, because it was the Vanguard <laughs> show of the modern era. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. This, this is, is the Paramount Plus Vanguard, right? Yeah. Let's talk about Discovery then. Like you said, it was the uh, the intro to Paramount Plus. I don't know. What do you what do you think about about this show? Who who's the target demo? You know, I think the target demo is adult sci fi fans, but like modern adult sci fi fans. And right. I think that they have realized that that fan base is actually a lot wider. And I shouldn't even say sci-fi. I should say genre fans. That's the new term. Because I think Game of Thrones really showed that people have, like, an appetite for genre shows more than was thought in the past. The sci-fi and fantasy, they're not niche markets. Right. The only thing you need is well-written, believable stories. And I think that's right. what the market discovery was going for. Um, they're also going okay. for the streaming market, the binge-watching market, I think, to a certain extent, with their yeah. big overarching stories. Yeah, this is definitely like the, the first like designed-to-be-binged Star Trek show. Yeah, which is weird, because if I recall correctly, when they released season one, they didn't release it all at once. No. And it's it's They still don't, right? It's, it's still just one week yeah, yeah, it's it's bizarre that, you know, they released that week. But you know what? That's that's how other shows that have been arc based have been released. Game of Thrones was that way. A lot of modern television, uh, you know, you've got your lost, your I can't even think of there's there's a million series. Even going all the way back to the <laughs> there's a bunch. original genre driver, Babylon Five, which is probably mm. I give it more credit than it deserves. There were other arc based <laughs> series before it. Um, I'm letting you know what my, Babylon Five is awesome, and uh, yeah. I think we can stick to that. I'm so. letting my fanboy show a little there. Um, <laughs> they were released episodically, week by week, and right. I think that is something that they're trying to capture that has been lost with the move to streaming service is the water cooler effect, mm. where you know yeah. people watch the episode and then they talk about it. But it's interesting right. as work from home happens more and more how they're going to grow their target demographic their their target markets how are they going to grow their markets beyond the already within their market group because they're not going to have people around the water cooler they're going to have people who are talking to their friends about it but guess what their friends are probably already in the market too because we choose our right. friends but we don't choose our coworkers. <laughs> yeah you're right about that uh, but well, something you mentioned about the season spanning plots, you know, this is one of, I think, two shows on our list that actually are hardcore telling a, a, uh, an arc through like a like season long arcs. And interestingly enough, I think they, they are perhaps, uh, you know, the weakest, do not succeed especially well for it. Yeah. I'd say. Um, you know what? It's interesting. We just came off of talking about Prodigy because it does, uh, season long arcs. But it's much softer, right? It's not a yeah. hard arc where every episode is focused on it. And even Discovery right. is a lot softer on its arcs than than the other series, Picard. Right. Because every episode, while they tie into the arc, a lot of times they are a individual story that ties into the greater arc, right? 
Right. Um, and Prodigy does the same thing to a certain extent. And then it has episodes that have nothing to do with the arc and are just one-offs, which is, yeah. you know, something that I think owes back to the early days of arc-based television when it was just starting out. You would have, right. you know, shows that had arcs, your X-Files, you know, where right. there are arc episodes and then there are bottle episodes. Um, right that don't tie into the overall arc. Whereas Discovery, I don't think there's really any bottle episodes. Everything ties into the arc. Yeah, it's got to be... I mean, part of the reason has got to be the you know the limited number of episodes in the season. Same thing with some of the other shows. Like, you have to get going on telling the story or else you're losing the... And, and you know. that's kind of the norm now. And, you know, I got to say, like, a lot of people uh, don't see it the way I do, but... I think the shorter seasons that we're seeing now on streaming has also led to greater quality. The the individual mm. episodes, the production values, and if that's a trade-off that we have to choose between, you know what, I'll, I'll take the, the take shorter quality. seasons with greater quality. You know, I'll take the never having to see another Sub Rosa again. <laughs> how dare you There's i'm sorry an entire I'm sorry. we just got removed i know that's your favorite <laughs> i know that's your favorite canceled. episode I, I shouldn't have done it <laughs> why don't you like the sexy candle that's why that's that's the question i keep asking <laughs> but anyways you know i will say one of the ways that i think discovery is um you know what discovery discovery and going back to prodigy does the same thing it's weird how discovery and prodigy despite having very different target audiences are very similar because one of the things that Mm. discovery does is its primary focus is not character arcs and it's not story arcs. It's both simultaneously. The arcs of Mm. the character tie into the arcs of the story. Burnham is the perfect example. There's no consistent prods, prods, there's no consistent. <laughs> the jungle juice is jungle uh, having juice an effect. Is, uh, yeah, <laughs> kick it in. I, I tried to warn the audience, but I didn't warn myself. Apparently, <laughs> oh no. Um, <laughs> she doesn't have consistent progress in her story arc. Right? It's one thing okay. to have setbacks, but it's another thing to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Burnham was one of my favorite Star Trek characters of the new era. Right. I like the idea of this person who has grown up in a culture that biologically she doesn't fit into. It's something that like no human can relate to. Right. But she also is a person who has trauma that she has never dealt with. And that is something that most people can relate to either for themselves or somebody that they know. Um, It's a person who has mentors in her lives who have had very, varying degrees of impact on her you know she went from uh you know Giorgio to Lorca and she betrayed one and the other betrayed her it's just it's such a fantastic story for that character and I just feel like they never let her live in that space yeah I mean that's definitely so one of the things they try to do with Discovery is have these because because here's the thing about Discovery unlike every other show that we're talking about today this is the general uh, demographic show that is not uh, necessarily nostalgia based or trying to be their own thing 
Um, you know, especially exemplified in the last couple seasons where they've jumped super far into the feature and they were, they're trying to do their own thing. And so they're, it's like releasing a new IP for like a movie studio. It's like it could, it could be awesome, but then it could be a dud. So they're, they've kind of been maneuvered into this space where like they're trying to try different things, like focus on Burnham, focus on, uh, non-standard characters, you know, progressive values, Try this, try that. And they're kind of like hit or miss on certain things. So it's the strange standout because before in other Star Trek shows, that used to be the norm, right? But now we've got all these other shows that are based on, you know, that have touchstoning, way a lot more touchstoning. And it's just not there for Discovery. And they have, they sometimes have a tough time of it, even though they're, they're the people that are marketing towards is like the general genre people. But what we should do is bounce over to Strange New Worlds, which hilariously is a spinoff of a spinoff of a spinoff. Wait, right? it's, it's a based on of a characters of... of a spinoff. Yeah, well, spinoff. How many spinoff? You know what? It's only if one. You have enough spin-off. Jungle Juice, Everything is. T- it's only one. <laughs> one spinoff. It is a discovery. Is a spinoff of, of the original series. Yeah. No. So, so hold on a second. Hold, hold on a second. I, it does not yeah. qualify as a spinoff. A spinoff requires the characters of the new series or the premise of the new series to be established in a previous series. There is no overlap. It is technically a sequel or sidequel series. (laughs) Therefore, I didn't realize the difference. I learned something today. Strange new weirds. (laughs) Jeez, dude. Strange new jungle. Strange new world (laughs) is only a one layer spinoff. But I see taking this ten steps backwards. Is it ten steps? Hold on a second. So Discovery was after Enterprise. So Discovery Enterprise, which was after Voyager, uh, after yeah. Deep Space Nine. Although I don't know if Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine doesn't count because Deep Space Nine was a sidequel to Voyager and TNG. So it's not Deep Space Nine. It's TNG, and then it is <laughs> TOS. So, taking it five steps back, because I okay. counted on my fingers. I'm with you. Okay. Nice work. This is not a sidequel. It is not a spinoff. It is a continuation of the original pilot. Oh. Or a prequel wow. to the original pilot? I can't remember. No, it's it's a continuation. Yeah. Because in continuation, yeah, because yes. in Discovery they reference his time on Talos Four with the, right. whatever those guys are called, the Talos, the brain people, yeah, the brain people, yeah, Talosians. Yeah. Ah, man, I would love it if they did like a whole remake of that episode with like the modern cast. That would be amazing. Oh yeah, maybe maybe they're going there in a subsequent season. Yeah, but let's talk. <laughs> let's talk format of this show because hilariously, this show seems like a reaction against discovery possibly so where when discovery goes season-long arcs this show goes episodic when discovery is trying to do new things this show goes straight to the nostalgia so i i actually think well it's less of a reaction and more a response to the fact that i think the tos the enterprise episodes of discovery did really well and there was a strong response to that from the fan base but I think right. it is also a nostalgia response. And every series is built on nostalgia of the new era. Yeah. But this one... Except for maybe Discovery. 
Yeah, I not super. Well, there's Spock in there. They definitely yeah. brought back is, some nostalgia something. aspect, but it is not built on it yeah. as much as the others. You're right. But this right. one is a nostalgia, not just for the characters and the trappings and the themes. It is a nostalgia for the format of old school Star Trek, the right. episodic episodes, and that is it. This one is much more episodic than the other series yes definitely and i think that is what they're going for and i think that this one probably has a little bit of a general audience target but it is definitely more for the trek fans but here's what i found really interesting about this is that it still does arcs right but it's more character arcs and then revisiting theme arcs And what I found really interesting with that is the character arcs. You have, obviously, you know, you've got Captain Pike and his fearing his ultimate demise, trying to change history, etc., etc. But you also Mm -hmm. have arcs like for the Doc's arc, right? With his daughter being kept in the transporter buffer, which, I don't know, I just love that, that arc, right? Yeah, it was good. But it's a very short arc, right? It's very truncated. They do the same thing. Yeah. For the engineer, right? He has an mm. arc, but it's a very truncated. And you know what this reminds me of? Mm. Voyager, of all things. In the beginning, really? Voyager had this habit of introducing characters. And they weren't the main cast, but they were reoccurring characters. You know, I'm thinking of like okay. Vorik or Lon Suter or Seska, right? right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they That's had these going. very truncated arcs, you know? Vorik has his infatuation with Balana that spills right. over when his Ponfar happens. Lon Suter right. only has a few episodes um, where he has this darkness inside. And there's other examples of that in the series. I wish I could remember them. Where characters are just introduced and they're there to tell a very brief story and to be the impetus for stories of the main cast. Right, And that's kind of what I feel is happening with strange new worlds to a certain extent, which really bothers me because it seems like in next season, they're going to introduce Scotty. And I feel like that's a Mm. missed opportunity to do another, you know, truncated arc, maybe do like the, the TNG season one effect where they keep replacing the cheap, (laughs) cheap engineer every few episodes (laughs) and do like entire episodes where there's like, you know, multiple qualified candidates. Yeah. But it's just, I found that really, really interesting that they were going that route. And I think that's kind of, you know, an appeal to the modern sensibilities where people do prefer arc-based television. I think it's kind of like a series either has to be a, you know, arc-based series to a certain extent, or it has to be a... um... Wow, brain is lost. Um, <laughs> Brain is swimming in juice. Yeah, swimming in the juice. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or it has to be a. Uh, oh, geez, this is embarrassing. <laughs> or are we getting? Are we going to go somewhere eventually with this? Yeah, no, no, no. It's either there's there's an element of an arc in the series, or the uh, series is an anthology series. You know. Right. I was really disappointed sure. that Short Treks only lasted the one season. I felt like that was a really 
you know, strong direction for the series to go, especially now that they have so many series going to pick from right yeah Yeah. and if you know it's just one of those things you can reduce production cost by reusing sets characters effects props and i'm disappointed that it didn't keep going yeah uh but you know let's let's go back to the demo question for strange new worlds so do you feel like this show i mean obviously pike and the enterprise were introduced in discovery so is this show trying to target the people that watched that you know, that season of discovery or are they really actually trying or slash, are they even able to reach, you know, fans that are, uh, you know, either general genre fans that were trying to find a, a track that would, you know, be able to work for them or even like original series fans that are, you know, more of the nostalgia factor that they, you know, they want Captain Pike on the show and they, they got a Captain Pike show. Like what, who is this show, who is this show for? It's confusing. Well, so I think there's probably, like, multiple demographics they're targeting here. Strange New Worlds and Discovery, I don't think they ran concurrently, right? I don't think so. I think Strange New Worlds, like, Discovery took a kind of a long break. Yeah. And Strange New Worlds aired between a couple of the seasons. So I think their their primary target is going to be, A, those people who, you know, were kind of turned off by Discovery's new format. But we're nostalgic for an old style format. Right. Um, but I think it probably also is one of those things where they were like, hey, you know, we have this market, right? And we're only doing 10 to 12 episodes a season, right? That's a problem because when the downtime comes, we don't want to lose our audience. What if we put okay. a side series up? Which is different from the main series, but takes place in the same universe, right? Mm-hmm. So, instead of, you know, reducing the quality of Discovery by just doing more episodes, they did Strange New Worlds. And Strange New Worlds is one of those things that in the off-season, you know, if you're really into Discovery, it's not must-watch. But it gets you the right. same feeling, Right. But it's also, sure. if you're one of those people who's really into Star Trek, it's great for you. If you're one of those people who, you know, is an adult and grew up watching Star Trek or, you know, Star Trek has been a big part of your life. It's very Star Trek and you can watch it and get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Even if you sure. don't like the more modern arc driven the more modern themes of the rest of the series which is interesting because they've definitely still done a lot of the you know pushing forward into tomorrow stuff you know putting a black character on the bridge isn't a big deal anymore so who are the now (laughs) marginalized people in our society right so i I think that's really what it is i think the main thing is they're trying to keep a star trek that is semi-episodic that is more down to earth that doesn't rely on nostalgia while at the same time having that nostalgia factor keeping it on the screens keeping it streaming for people yeah, that's interesting i didn't think about that uh, when discovery is off the air because of the short seasons thing yep. and i think you're totally right like they're trying to kind of fill in the gaps not only the the air gaps like when discovery is off the air but also like it's it's doing things that discovery has chosen not to so like the episodic shows and and this and that which fills in like the thematically the thematic gaps so yeah trying to cover all the bases i think a part of what it's doing is what 
Short Treks tried to do, but I guess, you know, you and me are probably the only market for that. That really was all like, <laughs> this is amazing. You need to keep doing this. I love it. And everybody else is like, yeah, this is a little too weird for me. Yeah, unfortunate. Sadly. Maybe they'll bring it back one day. Who knows? Yep. Well, let's go to the the oddest one, the most unusual one, the outlier. Which is weird because is we're talking Picard. about a slate of five series where, like, one of them <laughs> is traditional animation and nonstop jokes. The other one yeah. is, you know, 3D animation targeted to young people. <laughs> and we're like... Right. But the really weird one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and I got a lot to say about Picard. Oh yeah. You know, obviously. Let's hear. Well, let me first give the outlay. First, let's yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. let's see what it's similar to. It's similar to Discovery in that it has the you know ten episode season. It's got the season long uh, arc, and it's. I feel like this show is all about nostalgia. It's trying. I mean, obviously, the name of the show is freaking Picard. It's yeah. hoping you know who that is. You know what, though? Um, Picard, even more than Discovery, is arc-based. More than any other series. Um, every other series does bits of, you know, story arc and does bits of character arc. Prodigy, obviously, does, like, both in spades. Discovery tries to do character arc, but mainly relies on story arc. Uh, Strange New Worlds is a lot more character arc than story arc. Lord X, right. a lot more character arc. But even then, it's very soft. But Picard is hard lean into arcs. <laughs> character yes. and story in depth. And I think to a certain extent, it may be to its detriment. Because while they were mm. focusing on those character and story arcs, they kind of dropped the ball <laughs> on the uh, believability and the decision-making aspects to the <laughs> point where you're like, wait, I think the season ended here and the bad guys were right all along? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's season one flashbacks, yeah. Awkward. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's weird. It's definitely it's definitely an outlier. It's it's definitely the nostalgia slash full on drama show and no other I guess that's supposed to be the niche of Picard. Whereas something like Strange New Worlds, like Pike has been recast, obviously. But Picard you've got the actual return of cast members from previous shows and that I mean, aside from Lower Decks, which is thematically a very different show. You know, Picard is the only one that's doing the full-on drama, and maybe that's what's supposed to be making it unique, possibly. Yeah. Well, and, and a part of it, too, is unlike every other series, like, Discovery's probably the closest. Picard is not... There's no ensemble cast, right? There's other characters, but they are vehicles for Picard himself, right? Right. Discovery comes closest with its, you know, Michael Burnham focus, but even then, mm. like, other characters have very strong arcs and very strong presences. You know, Tilly's drive to become captain. Saru's yeah. dealing with his, you know, past experiences and his being an outlier in Starfleet and, you know, all that story arc. But they are. They're very important characters in the series. Whereas Picard, there is like no character who you could cut down their story and still have the core of the show be unaffected 
Right. I don't know. It's, I mean, this show, I feel like, is having trouble deciding exactly what it wants. Aside from the fact that it's like, yes, we want this to be a drama. Thematic element, the other story elements are just all over the place the rest of the show. Like, the the season one is, you know, Starfleet are jerks and nobody wants to stop Picard. And then season two, oh, that didn't work. Uh, let's go back. Starfleet's awesome. And, uh, you know, the Serenity captain is actually a Starfleet captain now. Yeah, um, that is the back. biggest thing I will say. Discovery literally traveled into the distant future between seasons. And yet somehow there was less of a change between those two seasons than between Picard season one and season two. (laughs) You are totally right. (sighs) Yeah. Um, Amazing. I, I like the idea of the captain who has fought for his ideals for so long and then suddenly is, you know, an outcast, right? That's marginalized, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and they do that in um, the motion pictures. Uh, the motion pictures. The uh, TOS movies, to a certain extent. <laughs> yes, otherwise known as motion pictures. Like yeah. Quite, quite you, quite you. <laughs> but um, they do that in those movies. The exploration of aging and losing connection with, you know, society and culture and comers, you were a yeah. part of, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Picard was kind of like trying to do that, but it's just it didn't fit with his character from the series, you know. Yeah, um, I refuse to believe that Picard would ever, ever let the rights of another be marginalized and just be like, oh, okay, you know, I'm I'm so upset, I'm just gonna go back to my, you know, <laughs> to my video. vineyard and let you guys do what you're doing. <laughs> I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. Picard would fight them until he was kicked out of Starfleet. And I think that could have been a powerful uh, part of the series. Is He was yeah. voluntold to retire. And that's <laughs> why he's on his vineyard. But there's still right. a lot of people in Starfleet who are backing him. That could have been a great right. aspect of the story, you know? Legends don't die. He is still a legendary individual in Starfleet. And there are still people who look up to him. That could have been a great story. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes to the uh, the artifact, right? And meets the ex-Borgs. And he right. could have been an aspirational character. Somebody who reclaimed his life. But they never really used any of that. They kind of do in season two, right? Yes. I mean, my point is that they're all over the place, right? Like, and they can't decide. That's, if... that's the problem, is, like, they can't decide the message they're trying to portray. Yeah. They can't decide what their arcs are about. With that said, there are, I mean, not to completely poop on the show, but, like, there are some great elements to it. Even story elements. I don't think we we disagree on the uh, the Borg origin, uh, how exactly good I that was actually, in season two, but yeah. I'm on board. I, I actually love the yeah. concept of why the Borg assimilate people is that desperate need yeah. for connection. And I yeah. think in this, like in the modern world, you know, the Borg are basically Facebook, you know? <laughs> totally. Uh, so there there are there are elements that are that are good, but it's yeah. just thematically it's all over the place. So it's hard to say like who this show is for. Like do they want like are they, you know, TNG fans that were just really into Picard? Uh, and they'll just follow, you know, p- the people just watch the show because, you know, whether Picard's marginalized or a superhero Starfleet admiral, it's also know, it's, it's hard to say. Very much a character piece, right? I always talk mm-hmm. about the episode where they, and I, I've already mentioned this 
before, but the episode where they go to the artifact in season one, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. God, that episode was so well done. And hands down, you, you can't fault Patrick Stewart for his acting chops. No. Like the way he is on board the artifact, there's like these moments where you can see he has this fear still inside of him, right? right. He is mm-hmm. just so. These these people who he should connect with more than anybody else in Starfleet, maybe other than, you know, Seven of Nine, he is terrified of the Borg because of what they did to him. But at the same right. time, you know, they're a people who were preyed upon, right? They're victims of the collective. And I thought that right. was a fantastic story. And when episode one of season two started, I'm like, we're finally going to get a exploration of that. Voyager did it to a certain extent, but I was right. really looking forward to that in Picard. And I thought that introduction of, you know, the Borg are just desperately seeking connection and it's gotten out of hand. It's a great story, but they never deal with the negative consequences of that, right? They're just like, right. just change and be someone different. Well, it's too late. <laughs> you've Is been, that all? You've been victimizing people for centuries. You've right. got to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, oh, 100%. Man. So, I, I don't know, man. I just, there's so many good aspects of it and so many great moments and great stories built in to those uh, seasons, but... They just yeah. don't work overall, unfortunately. Well, you know, looking at all of these shows on the whole, you know what the best part of all of them is? Uh, is the art direction and the special effects. Oh like, my They are God. all great. All of the ships yes. are freaking awesome. It's not even Isn't that crazy the ships, how they all look so like, good? The design of the modern era is so good. Yeah. They, they really do a great job of, like, every aspect of it. Like, the new phaser designs from discovery season one all the way up to the latest season where they're in the distant future right the visual effects are just so fantastic the way they portray everything the fact that they're starting to incorporate the expanded universe it's just it's really well done very consistent consistently good yeah yeah definitely high quality and I, I think that's kind of nice that they're they're only going to put things on the screen that have high quality production values because it is so easy to get lazy, right? Like you said, like the having the short season has really amped up the quality. Yeah. <laughs> there are no magic candles that have sex ghosts in them episodes, <laughs> for better or worse. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Really, nobody submitted a better uh, better script than that? Come on. <laughs> so, you know, going back to uh, that production value and, you know, they do a really good job, too, of making all of their designs work as a part of the story. I want to go back to that in the opening yeah. credits. This is something I kind of sprung on you wanting to talk about last minute. <laughs> yeah. Because the opening credits, like, one of the things, like, the, you know, 80s to 90s Trek had opening credits that, like, it still amazes me to this day. I I just, I'm so impressed with how, with just instrumentals and visuals, they evoke the feeling they're trying to have for their series, you know? Yeah. Um, TNG, although I guess TNG in the beginning did have voiceover, you know? 
Yeah, that's true. But that that concept of like we are going out into the universe to explore strange new worlds, right? It really right. the visuals and the music really portrayed that message. DS9, this lonely frontier station in the beginning anyways. <laughs> very much that like that that music just evoked loneliness and the the comet flying through space and then the distant shot of the it's just it's fantastic. Um, yeah. Voyager, a single ship flying past unknown horizons. So fantastic. So right. I really wanted to take a moment to talk about how the new series does their opening credits. Because it's really interesting to me just how they evoke the past and how they mm. portray their series. So I just kind of want to go through these, you know, episode yeah. by episode. Or not episode by episode. Yeah, let's series do by series. Show by show. Yeah, show by juice show. Juice by juice. Yes. <laughs> God, this is a terrible <laughs> idea. Why did you make me do this? <laughs> oh, wait. I was the one yeah, who chose Yeah, this is your drink. idea. God. Yeah. <laughs> Next time we're doing something non-alcoholic, damn it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. That's unprecedented. Uh, you know, looking at these, we can talk about it one at a time, but you know, a lot of these are ship porn. Yeah, you know what, and, and Just so going back to, you know, the, the, the series that this uh, podcast is about, uh, yep. Lower Decks, yeah, it's just a ship in space, a sweeping vistas, is very much the yeah. classic Trek imagery of really the new era, right? TNG did it to a certain extent, but like all, all actually all the series, the old series, were ships in space, right? And it does the same thing, yeah. but it speaks to the... <laughs> The series and the theme of it in that, like, there's a lot of gags, you know, the ship running away yeah. from the battle, the ship <laughs> flying away, yeah. and then all of a sudden running into an ice crystal and starting to leer to the side. Right. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. It's a telling, lot of these do different things. Yeah, yeah. That story. The one that really interests me, though, is Prodigy. And I am starting to wonder because mm. the Lower Decks uh, opening theme, the imagery changes season to season ever so slightly, right? Yeah, they just mm-hmm. reference you know whatever happened in the last season by adding new ships to the battle, right? Right. But Prodigy, the first season, it's very stylized. It's not just a ship in space, right? There's all these yeah. images. You got these characters, yeah. And I think that kind of like speaks to the idea of this is a prototype ship filled with people who are learning and this holographic Janeway. But that doesn't really yeah. work for the next season, right? Because now it's a mm. real Janeway, and I'm kind of intrigued to see if they're yeah. going to change it up. Um, They've got to. I, that's my guess. They've yeah. got to change it up a bit. Because moving on to the next... It's no longer them. Yeah, because yeah. moving on to the next series, Discovery, they did change it up season to season. Mm-hmm. It had this really unique diagram slash schematic slash tech show off. Uh, it's very yeah. stylized. Really cool. Right? With overlapping yeah. images. And that was one of the things I noticed when they were, like, promoting Discovery prior to its launch. I don't know if you saw any of the coverage beforehand. I remember going to the uh, Star Trek Las Vegas convention. And they had, right. you know, the room set up. And it was very, like, this is the technology of, you know, Star Trek Discovery. And that really plays out in the opening credits. I don't know how well that works as like the theme of the series though hmm. yeah i'd say it's probably the least yeah relevant it's, it's still it's cool the least fitting it's, i think like the technology yeah. isn't that important 
Um, right. Until they get to the future, then it's like a big key player of you know changes. But right, it's 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 a weird thing, right? Now, albeit it's not all technology. Mm-hmm. There's also like star charts, and there's the discovery flying over what appears to be like a planetary surface. There's images of you know the eye and the face and all that stuff. Right. It's interesting, just like that imagery, and I think it is the least effective for opening credits. I still like mm-hmm. it. I like the visuals. It really harkens back to my favorite opening credits, Enterprise. <laughs> why are you, you really want why, that why uh, that the vocal, vocals? Yeah. Um, it's just been a long road since we've seen. You know that, what? I, I, I'm willing to bet that if it was just a instrumental of that same music mm. for Enterprise, it would still work. <laughs> but you know, the visuals are the theme of the progress of mankind, right? Yeah, moving out into the into space, and that works right. really well for that series. Whereas Discovery, yeah. not a lot of the images just don't work, and I don't know what. Yeah, and I don't have a good answer for how. It's to not that they that. don't work; they just don't. They just don't make sense in the context of the show. Yeah, right? it's like they're it's designed to look cool, and that might be it. Like and, and some stuff works the right, plot. like the the scene yeah. of the Discovery flying over the planetary surface. Yeah. Although I will say the the shot of the com badges in the transporter room where they get beamed out and like the new style of com badge beams in yes. because they've gone to the future that I mean some parts are and that's it are cool the, I don't, the open- they're not they're not relevant to the show but like they're relevant to the plot a little bit yeah the the opening credits evolve as the series goes along there's changes right. um, all the yeah. shots of discovery are of the refit discovery which I think this right. is the first series where we have actually seen. The main like major refit. hero ship yeah. get refit and look visually different. <laughs> what uh, the Cerritos getting refit and looking pretty much exactly the same? It just looks <laughs> it better, better, you know. They're just like, oh shit, our our model is garbage. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's try it again. Let's find a new. I love this new high res refit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just it's definitely the weakest of the the new batch. And it's just, it's weird the the choices they made. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Some of the stuff, like the imagery of the communicator works, but why the imagery of the phaser, right? Yeah. Maybe just like looks cool. in the beginning, yeah. it was like, it was a time of war or something. I don't know. Yeah. And that's just it. By itself, like maybe it would have worked, but it's just, it's a lot of tech. It's, you know, the space suit and it's just, I don't know. It doesn't really yeah. work. But in Strange New Worlds, we just get... Uh... Look at the Enterprise. Yeah, Look at the Enterprise going again. there. Um, Enterprise going there. It's, it's going much there. jazzier, the opening theme. It's a very fast mm. pace, which I actually, ironically, don't think that works for the series. The series isn't a faster <laughs> pace. It it's is true. It is You're right. traditional, you know, <laughs> slow-paced track. Yeah. The arcs aren't, you know, hit them one after another. They're long-form story, you know, and... But visually, it's it's very nice. The music is good. It harkens back to the TOS themes. I will say this. It definitely moves quicker than TOS. And yeah. maybe that's kind of what they were going well, obviously. for. I feel like it's very thematically appropriate for the show. It's the Enterprise goes to a place and does a thing. And that's all the opening credits is. That is the, <laughs> the Enterprise goes to a place. Yes, that is the visuals. Yeah. It's more the music I'm thinking about, right? Oh, uh, I see. Um, because, okay. like, looking back at DS9, it's this very, like somber you know lonely yeah. music right um voyager this is just straight up a remix majestic. of toss 
You know what? It isn't, and it is. They use elements from the TOS uh, opening theme, but right. they also have their own unique jazzier bits. And, you know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're like, hey, this is TOS, but we've jazzed it up. So maybe yeah. it works in its own way. It's jazzy toss. Yeah. Jazzy toss. Jazzy toss. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can trademark that, buddy. I appreciate it, though. We'll see about that. <laughs> that leaves Picard, then, right? You know the, what? Uh, the, the broken glass and the... Picard has some of my favorite imagery in it. Yeah. It doesn't, like, as, like, a Star Trek series, it doesn't really work for me. But, oh, my God, it's just so beautiful. Like, that the yeah. music and the imagery is this, like, it's an emotional imagery, right? that speaks to what's happening in the series and they update it from season one to season two. And I imagine it'll do the same thing in season three. Sure. But yeah, that's shattering glass imagery. Um, yeah, I don't know why that makes sense for season one, season two, definitely, but maybe it's more like things are broken and that's a big thing of Picard is things are broken and we need to repair them. Yeah. Um, I really hope that in season three, they continue that theme but it's more like, hey, Picard has dealt with his issues, but other people haven't, and he needs to help them. And I think that is right. like a good theme. But whether or not that's the intent or what they're going to go with is, you know, up in the air. Yeah. Well, you know, let's let's put a capstone on this whole thing. You know, we talked about all these other shows and who they're possibly for, but let's bring it all the way back to Lower Decks. So. Do you feel like Lower Decks has its own distinct, like vibe and uh, demo, you know, demographic compared to the other shows, or is it overlapping? And it, even if it does overlap, is that a good thing or or a bad thing? Well, Are they fighting against these other shows? I think <laughs> every every like series is definitely has an overlapping demographic, and I think a part of it also goes back to the whole, you know, we want to put a bunch of series out that are all slightly different. And we're going to try and pull in as many people as we can and get them to watch as many series as we can. But you know what? Maybe you only like, you know, Prodigy and Lower Decks because they're, you know, animated and slightly silly. You know, maybe you only want to watch Discovery and Picard for the arc-based aspect of it and character exploration. Maybe you're a Star Trek fan who, you know, if we did, you know, an entire series that was just people hanging out in the ready room, having discussions about galactic politics, you would watch that. (laughs) What a bunch of nerds. Yeah. um, (laughs) uh, But I think there is no hard line between any of the series where they're saying this is for this demographic and this demographic only. And there's even episodes within some of the series, you know. There's an episode in Prodigy where they go to the, uh, you know, culturally contaminated TOS planet. And you're like, man, this is so out there for their target demographic, right? (laughs) It really was. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like, I think that they're going to do that with every series to try and get as many people eyeballs on the series as they can. But ultimately, it doesn't matter if they succeed or fail as long as each series has its own audience. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't matter as long as Lower Decks is on so we can still do the show. But Yeah, well, you know. I mean, you know, when Lower Decks finally gets canceled, we can, you know, do a new series <laughs> about, I don't know. About uh, 
I don't know. Right. One of these. None of these. <laughs> about the new Fantastic series, uh, the sci-fi show, you know, Distant Unusual Anomalies. <laughs> Streaming now. <laughs> on, I don't know. Distant, Distant Unusual Anomalies, written and directed by Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> How many shows, like, have they reached their maximum with five? Do you think they're going to have more simultaneous Well, I think it's one of those shows? things where, you know, what's their ROI of building a new series versus continuing old series? Streaming changes all of this. This is, yeah. I mean, what, what was the, the, the last busy Star Trek time period was like the 90s when... I think was it three were on the air at once? Did they hit three? It was TNG, DS9, and Voyager. No, because there's no TNG Voyager overlap. TNG oh, ended. Okay. DS9 wasn't doing as well, and they decided to continue the Strange New Worlds theme with Voyager. Right. Right. Um, and DS9 just kind of did its own thing. So it's we're, the max is two then. So we're at five. That's yeah. a. A far cry from the 90s. Yeah, but so. it's also one of those things where each one of these series is, to a certain extent, like half a series, you know? Because mm, of the episode length? Yeah, because maybe? of the, like, episode or the length, length or the, uh, you know, number of episodes per season. It'll, you know, it'll be interesting. The real thing that I'm wondering about is they've mentioned that the next season is supposed to be the final season of Picard, right? Right. I'm really intrigued to see... If they're just going to keep creating new seasons as long as they keep getting a certain viewer threshold, or will it be like TNG mm. where they're like, yeah, we're still doing really well, but we want to end on a high note. So we're going to end the series prematurely, despite it mm. having a strong viewership. I don't know. I don't know how these things work in the streaming era. Yeah, it's confusing. I don't know. Netflix cancels things at the drop of a hat. So Ooh, we should see if we can get one of the uh, marketing people from you know the Star Trek franchise <laughs> to come on. Let's do it. Talk. I'll, talk I'll harass them on social media and, until they come marketing. talk to us. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure our our whole you know 20 listeners would love that. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll do anything for those 20 listeners. Yeah, I don't do it for the listeners. I do it for myself. <laughs> eat it listeners that's probably the smarter way Aaron doesn't care about you but you know what I do remember that (laughs) anyway I think we've I think we've reached the point of diminishing returns on this episode I could probably talk about this for you know another hour or two but um, it's really interesting to just see this modern era of Star Trek I kind of miss the 90s where Mm. You know, the late 90s especially, there was just so many space shows that were getting made. You know, Space Above and yeah. Beyond, Farscape. That's right. Uh, Andromeda towards the end of that run. God, what was it? Space Rangers, I think. There was just so many series getting made. Now it seems like really Star Trek is the only thing <coughs> carrying the torch now that Orville's been canceled. That's right. Well, things could be worse. I, I won't complain until we hit like the threshold of like twenty shows online at the same time. And they're all like Star Trek, and like some of them just like <laughs> obviously, you know, yeah. we Netflix hired... cancels everything, but yeah, Paramount the... Plus doesn't cancel anything. <laughs> you know, the uh, producer's nephew's really into Star Trek, so we're gonna let him make his own Star Trek show. Um, <laughs> it's called, you know, Mary Sue in the Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> make it happen. Paramount. No, don't make it happen. <laughs> oh. 
get us out of here before we say something else stupid. Yeah, I should probably do that. (laughs) Ah, Jesus, man. So, so we've done it. We we've done all the things. You know, all all five of the shows. All twenty of our drink ingredients are gone. Yep. So like. I, I don't know, man. Hit us up on Twitter at Lower Dorks. If you want to talk more about this topic, or if you think we left things unsaid, maybe we need to do a follow up on this episode. Um, <laughs> Perhaps. But you know what? Just like today's episode, full of all Star Trek series currently on the air, we have overdone it. Possibly. <laughs> I think so. Yes. So let's let's take it back a notch and call it off. We're gonna go into the off season once more. In the spirit of being overdone, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>